Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. We're so glad you joined us today. It's our prayer that this message is a blessing and encouragement to your life. For a list of messages, to stream live services, and for updates about events and more info, visit lifechurchroa.org. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Here's this week's message. Man, I don't know about you. I'm ready to get into the Word today. You ready to get in the Word? Amen. Go ahead and open up your Bibles to John chapter 13. John chapter 13 and camp out there for just a second. We've been in a series called Go Be Church. And today we've been talking about seven convictions that we need to have to go out into the world and be the church, to be what Jesus has called us to be. Today is no different. We're gonna keep going. We're on number five. And so if if you've really thoroughly enjoyed this series, you're sad because it's coming to a close. If this hasn't been your cup of tea, take it up with Jesus. It's almost there. Okay, you can get something from anything, right? Amen? Okay, remember when they, when they told him Jesus was from Nazareth, Nazareth, they said, what good will come of Nazareth? Well, a lot of good came from Nazareth. And so uh, we're gonna get what we can from it, allow the Lord to speak to us this morning through the word of God. I wanna show you a picture. You're gonna camp out John 13, okay? I wanna show you a picture of somebody very close to me. Uh, it's not a great picture. It's a little grainy because it's kind of an older picture. But this is my mama and papa. Okay, this is my mama and papa Franklin. Uh, specifically today, I wanted, I wanted to share a little bit about my mama's life. That might seem strange, but I promise you we'll, we'll get there, okay? And so uh, this is my mama Franklin. I love my mama. She was my hero, okay? She was my best friend. She was the best mama a kid could ask for, but she did some strange things. Anybody have somebody in your life who does some strange things you didn't completely understand? So yesterday, as I was, you know, kind of wrapping up my preparation for this message, I sent, a, I sent a text message to four of her children, all of my aunts, okay, all of her daughters. And I said, do you remember, is it just me? Like, am I remembering something that wasn't actually there? Because sometimes I do that. Like, I imagine that things are a deal, with it, a big deal that they're really not. Did mama wash her feet a lot Or is that just something that I remember seeing once and think I saw it all the time? And you might, well, that's a weird question to ask. And it was a weird question to ask, although it flooded back memories for all of my aunts. It flooded back memories for me. And sure enough, my grandmother had this thing about her feet. Now, depending on which one of my aunts you talk to would depend on why she had the issue, okay? Uh, Two of them were adamant that she did not want to have smelly feet, okay, and that she wore open-toed shoes a lot and didn't want her feet to stink. So she washed her feet like five times a day. When I say she had a thing about her feet, I'm not talking about like she washed her feet like once. She washed her feet five times a day, okay? She kept a, a, a pan of water. You know the pans like when you go to the hospital, right? She kept those. Anytime she went to the hospital, she used them to wash her feet, My other two aunts said, oh yeah, but she also had really like hard skin on the bottom of her feet and she thought that the washing of her feet would keep them soft and make them feel better. And so she didn't want them to feel hard and and didn't want them to catch on the carpet or anything. So she would wash her feet to soften them. Now, why do I tell you all that? Why am I telling you a story about feet? Well, you'll find out here in just a minute exactly why, but a little piece of it is because We have people in our lives who coach us and we don't even realize they're coaching us. 
We don't even realize that they're teaching us things about ourselves. Now, that was a small thing that I remember about my grandmother that I I wasn't 100% sure that I remembered very well. But she always, she was always coaching her grandchildren in some way, even if she didn't mean to, right? And so there was things like the washing of her feet constantly. There were other things in her life. I'll tell you, one of the, one of the greatest things I remember uh, about my grandmother is her sitting in a rocking chair beside the window reading the Bible every day. She read the family Bible, the one nobody was allowed to touch. She pulled that thing from the table and she set it on her lap. It was three times the size of her lap, but the print was really big. And so she could see it. And she would read her Bible. Not only would she read her Bible, I would watch as she would sit at that window. I'll never forget it. She sat at the window and she would pray. She didn't know it at the time, but she was coaching me. I was watching cartoons or, or goofing off with my papa or whatever, but she was leading me in that moment and had no idea. She had no idea that one day I would replicate her and sit down daily to read my Bible, that I would replicate her and, and sit down or take time to pray daily. I think she might have hoped I would. She might have hoped that she would have been an example, but she didn't. She wasn't doing it just to be the example. It was who she was. It was a part of her life. It was something that she did. I'm not saying she was perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but she coached me in ways that I didn't even know was happening. Today, I want to talk to you about coaching kingdom replication. How we are supposed to coach others to be disciples like us. How we're supposed to, we're supposed to be like Christ, right? And we're coaching others through our life so that they can see us and become more like Christ also. It's, it's really an amazing setup of the way things are supposed to be because you get to be a partner. We didn't even plan that. You just heard that. He could have preached my message today, but just what he said. You get to be a partner in what Jesus is doing in other people's lives, but you have to choose to be a coach, you have to choose to, 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 to put yourself out there a little bit and, and, and show what it is that God is doing in your life. My grandmother didn't just wash her feet a lot. She also prayed a lot. She also read her Bible a lot. I remember her going to church on Sunday mornings. They had an old church up on a hill that didn't have a bathroom in the building. You had to go to an outhouse. I remember when they built the new church, my, my grandparents and my family helped build the new church. I remember when they started going to church with us, the grandkids in in Oak Hill, West Virginia at the Assembly of God Church there. They were coaching us every step of the way. Bring that up today, not just to honor her memory because she's important to me, but because we all have that calling on our lives. You're a coach, whether you're a mom, a dad, a grandparent, an aunt, an uncle, whether you have no kid attached to your life and your family, no matter what, there are kids in this room that are watching you. For, for fear of sounding repetitive, we've had a message that's been similar to this called, how do you eat your waffles? This is an important point. We're all called to coach kingdom replication. We're all called to coach and discipleship, to be a part of that. Throughout life, we all have people who coach us, our parents, our grandparents, our aunts, our uncles, spiritual parents, pastors, Sunday school teachers, youth pastors, 
And that list can go on and on, but that list includes you and me. We have to live with the conviction that we're making disciples, coaching others in how to be kingdom citizens. This is a part of what it means to go be church. It means that when we're at work and our boss has been grumpy with us, that we have a way that we respond, not react. It means that when we're hanging out with the boys or we're hanging out with our, with our friends, that we act like Jesus is with us. I'm not saying we have to be stuck up. I'm not saying we can't have fun because I think we can have fun. I'm saying we're always coaching others to be more like Christ. So one of the convictions that we want to live by is to coach kingdom replication. John chapter 13 is where we're going to be today. And we're going to see Jesus coaching kingdom replication. Okay, we're going to see Jesus doing something here that is uh, uncanny. And it has to do with washing feet. Interestingly enough, though, it's so much more than just washing feet. My grandmother had a routine of washing her feet. Part of a larger routine of things that she did in her day was coaching me. It's pushing me towards Christ and I didn't even know it. It was showing me what it meant to be dedicated. What it meant to be flawed but trying. What it meant to fall short of the grace but understand that the grace is still mine. Jesus is going to show the disciples what it means here to coach kingdom replication, not by telling a story, although he could have. It may have had a similar effect. It's not going to have the same effect. John chapter 13, let's go ahead and start reading verse 1. The verses will be up on the screen. We're going to stop in some places to talk. Uh, And so uh, there'll be some some breaks here in in the scripture. Uh, here, Here we go. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. Now, this gives us a bit of a time reference here today. Jesus is close to the end of his life. He's about to go to the cross. And the the crazy thing is, is that you would think as he's about to go to the cross, that he would be like a little freaked out. Right, That maybe he wouldn't be thinking about his disciples. That maybe he would be thinking about what he's about to go through. And there's a little bit of that as the cross gets closer. But the truth is in this moment, he's thinking about his disciples. He's about to teach them one of the most important lessons they're ever going to learn. It's right before this that they're talking about who is the most important among them. You ever been in a conversation about who's the most important? You ever been, you ever, you ever, you ever wish you were more important or maybe somebody makes you feel less important so they feel more important? I've been in those situations where people have had my name in their mouth because it made them feel better. Jesus is, has listened to them have these conversations about who's more important, who, who, who is higher in authority. And in just a few hours, he's going to go to the cross and they're bickering over something that doesn't matter. And so now he's coming in to teach them a lesson. You ever taught your kids a lesson that they just really, really needed to know and they didn't see coming? Anybody? Y'all awake this morning? Okay, y'all got to help me out here this morning. I'm tired. It's been a long week. 
If, you, if you've never been to a general counsel, I'm going to tell you, these kids, they'll wear you out. You're weaving and bobbing down hallways. You didn't even know you could move like that. Okay? Because if you don't move, somebody doing some kind of aerial move is going to slap you in the face. This is a big deal. These kids, they throw each other around, right? They do all kinds of crazy stuff for fine arts. If you're not careful, you'll walk right in the middle of a performance where they're practicing. And so you spend the whole time on high alert. And so I need you talking back to me this morning. Jesus is going to teach us and his disciples a really hard lesson right before he goes to the cross. You would think that he would be thinking about himself, but scripture says that he, was lo- he loved them to the very end. Not just all the way to the cross, but in this moment when they were bickering about, just came out of bickering about who was more important. Jesus is going to pour out his love to them in a way that they would never have saw coming. Let's keep reading verse 2. It was time for supper and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. We're talking about coaching today. I want you to understand coaches typically have an understanding of the authority that they have, right? You ever had a coach who was on a power trip, made you run laps just because he wanted to? Okay, I've had coaches who made me run laps just because they wanted to, push-ups just because they wanted to. I had a coach who was a pastor. He was a gym teacher also. And I remember the first time I went to climb the rope and I'm not built for climbing. I also don't like heights. And I remember it at standing at the bottom of the rope, looking at the top of the rope, because for some reason, I don't know if we still do it, but we thought it was a good idea to send a kid 30 feet up in the air with no net or anything. And there was kids flying up the rope and I'm looking at that rope thinking, there's no way I'm going to make it anywhere up that rope. And I'll never forget Mr. C is what we called him. Named Sam Calloway. Great, great, amazing man of God. I'm standing at the bottom of that rope. He says, Mr. Krause, you waiting for Christmas? Let's go. I turned around. I said, Mr. C, I can't climb that rope. Yes, you can. At least you're going to try. Now, Mr. C, you don't understand. I can't climb that rope. You need to climb that rope or hang on that rope for at least 30 seconds. Even if you can't climb it, I want you to try. I don't want to try because everybody's going to laugh at me. I don't care if they laugh at you. Let's go. They laugh. I'll take care of them. Stood there, looked at the rope. Mr. Krause, it's time to get on the bus. Let's go. So I tried to hang on that rope for 30 seconds, coaching or no coaching. I was never going to get anywhere near 30 seconds or up that rope. He kept pushing. And every time the rope came, it was the same thing. Kept pushing and pushing and pushing. If you're waiting for some inspirational story here, you're not going to get it. Okay. Because Mr. C didn't get me climbing the rope either. He just going to have to be disappointed. But I learned something about coaches that day. It isn't necessarily the outcome Right? It wasn't the outcome that he was looking for for me. It was the pushing to try to get better, to become more like what he's coaching me to become. He goes on, Mr. C goes on to, to step out of teaching gym class and into pastoring a church. And 
has spoken into my life a number of times spiritually, but I've never forgotten when he coached me in that moment. It didn't matter what was going on around me. I had something to do. So Jesus is going to coach them here because he, this is an issue, but he has authority. This is the crazy part. At any given moment, Jesus could have said, you know what, we're going to have to do this a different way. I can't face that cross. Can't do it. At any given moment, he could have said, he had all authority. He could have called Judas out in that moment. He could have said, no, we just heard it. It was in the will of God. Your kingdom come, your will be done. So he does, he takes all authority and he now is going to teach his disciples, coach them in what it truly means. What it truly means to be a servant. Let's keep reading. Verse four. So he got up from the table and I want you to imagine this. They're at a, they're at a table that's kind of a, a U-shape, very low to the ground, similar to our coffee tables, but at a U-shape and he, they're, they're kind of reclined at the table. They're, maybe their feet behind them or uh, there's a, a, a picture uh, from a few months ago of me demonstrating that and for fear of that picture coming back up, I won't demonstrate it again. Uh, but they're reclining at the table and Jesus gets up from the table and he's, he's beginning to take action. The disciples probably wondering what in the world is going on. And he, he gets up from the table, he takes off his robe, he wraps a towel around his waist and he goes and pours water into a basin, scripture says. And he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. As we read this in John, it's, it's incredible because there's, there's, it's so detailed. It's as if he's still in shock about what he saw that evening. One step after another, he described the remarkable thing that Jesus did on this unforgettable evening. And we imagine this, Jesus about to be tortured on the cross, had no thought of himself, but only his disciples. He's remembering the conversations that they've just had. And he says, they need to be coached. They still need to be trained. There's still so much they need to know. I'm about to go to the cross and I've got to teach them this lesson. I have to teach them that it isn't about where they stand It's about who they're standing with. I've got to teach them that this isn't about being the first. It's about being the last. I've got to teach them that when the cross comes, I have to hang on it. For them. John remembers this and he gets up and he watches Jesus and he's recounting it. Jesus gets up and he takes off his outer garment. He wraps a towel around him. He's about to do something that was not only socially unacceptable, but would have been awkward all the way around. Can you imagine if eating dinner, the host stood up, walked over to you and said, please remove your shoes. (laughs) I'd like to wash your feet. Anybody all for that? Some of y'all are like, yeah, that's pampering 101. Let's do it. Some of y'all are like, I don't like to look at my own feet. Right? I'm just hoping that the soap running down in the shower washes my feet. Some of y'all are like, if he does a foot washing at the end of this service, I'm out. Some of y'all are already thinking about leaving. And just in case you are, I'm not doing a foot washing at the end of the service. Don't worry. My grandmother washed her feet enough for all of us. Jesus completely gave himself to washing their feet. He could have did half of a job. He could have did one disciple and told a story. He could have just, he he could have did a lot of things. Gave himself totally over to this. This was an extreme act of servanthood. Jesus was coaching them. Sometimes as coaches, we, if if we're going to coach the kingdom, we're going to have to live it out. 
Guys, I'm going to talk to you for just a second. Men of the house, the, the, the king of your kingdom, anybody, don't, don't raise your hand, but if you've ever said that, you know what I'm talking about. I remember my dad always used to say he was the king of his castle. That may be the case. But even as the king, I'm going to have to be a coach in the kingdom. And that means when I mess up, or when I hurt somebody, I'm going to have to apologize. As a dad, one of the most powerful and painful things I do that I'm going to have to do is apologize to my kids when I mess up. As a husband, one of the most powerful and painful things I can do is go to my wife and, 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 and truly apologize for the act I had. It isn't about, it isn't, it isn't just about the apology, about that example. Apology is important. I want to be a coach in my house. I want my kids to know that they mess up, they apologize, and they, they fess up to it. I want them to know that it's okay to go to Jesus and say, forgive me. Go to a friend and say, I messed up, I'm sorry. I want them to see that, and we have to coach that. Jesus is coaching it here. He goes around the table, he washes their feet. This is a pretty awkward scene. None of the disciples in that moment would have been interested in washing each other's feet. Any one of them would have jumped up to wash Jesus's. None of them were interested in washing each other. You know that because nobody did it. They sat down for dinner and nobody's feet got washed, which was not custom. Feet should have been washed. None of them jumped up to do it, but they remember the conversation they were just having. Who's better? They couldn't have washed Jesus' feet without making themselves available to wash the others. That meant they would have had to admit that they were inferior. No one's feet got washed until Jesus, the master coach, stood up. He knew actions would speak louder than words. So when he wanted to teach the proud, arguing disciples about true humility, he didn't just say it, he showed it. He showed it in a way that illustrated his whole work on behalf of those he called his own, those that he said he loved. This is a, a parable in action. Jesus showing them what true love really looks like, what it truly means to coach people, to, to be, to disciple people. Verse six says, when Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. Peter, never wanting to shy away from a little bit of confrontation, says, nope, you'll never, ever wash my feet. And Jesus replied to him, unless I wash your feet, you won't belong to me. Now, I want to stop here. I want you to think about Peter. They've just had this conversation about who's more important. And we don't hear Peter really chime in on that, that he's more important than anybody. 
But have you ever, have you, have you ever met those people kind of with the air that maybe they feel that way, but they would never say it? Peter, they're having this conversation. Peter's thinking, yeah, y'all are all wrong. I'm, I'm the one most important. And when this comes up, he says, you're not going to wash my feet. He wasn't offended by the foot washing. He had his feet washed a lot. He was offended because the person who was going to do it. It was unacceptable for his master, his teacher, to be the one to wash his feet. Yet here we are, and Jesus says, I'm going to do it. And Peter says, no, you're not. Jesus' answer to that was really quick. I love this. I'm sure there wasn't even a breath in between Peter finishing his sentence and Jesus replying. Unless I wash you, you won't belong to me, Jesus tells him. Again, we're coaching. Right? We're going to come 2,000 plus years ahead of that. We're going to have to understand that our sins have to be washed away. That Jesus has the power to cleanse us. We've got to let him. Let him. We have to be okay. Peter preached the good news of the kingdom and cast out devils in Jesus' name and still needed his feet washed. Peter saw Jesus transfigured in his glory together with Moses and Elijah and, and an amazing spiritual experience and still needed his feet washed. Peter's own feet walked on the water in an amazing act of faith and still needed his feet washed. Foot washing was a powerful lesson in humility, but it was more than that. It also shows that Jesus has no fellowship, no deep connection with those who've not been cleansed by him. He's coaching Peter, he's coaching the other disciples, and he's coaching 2,000 years ago. The amazing thing is, is that it doesn't just stop here. Verse 9 says, Simon Peter explained exclaimed, then wash my hands and head as well, Lord, not just my feet. Jesus replied, a person who has bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. Verse 11, for Jesus knew who would betray him. That is what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. After washing their feet, he put his robe Uh, on again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? Verse 13, you call me teacher and Lord, and you're right because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. Somebody say each other. He's coaching them. He didn't just tell them to do something he didn't do. My grandmother was the, was the example in the Bible reading and those kind of things. My grandfather taught me how to drive. Man, you saw in the picture, taught me how to drive. And one of the things he said to me uh, as I was learning to drive was do as I tell you, not as I do. Because he had a lead foot. He cut off every curve you can imagine. If he could, if he could, 
I'm just glad GPS wasn't a thing when he was driving because he would have tried to beat the time. Anybody play that game? It says you're gonna get there at 12.05 and you are convinced you can get there at 12. Do as I, do as I tell you, not as I do. That isn't Jesus's motto here. Now, just to be fair to my grandfather, I also watched him seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the altars. And that is a core memory that I have of my father. So to be fair to him, it wasn't just the bad things. Jesus does so much more here. He doesn't just tell them to serve each other. It's down on the floor. Washes their feet. The job of a servant. Later, later in history, the job of, of the wife of the house. Ladies, I, I hear you, but we understand that culturally speaking, that, that was the way it was. So Jesus, his entire life was a lesson and example here. He says, you ought to wash each other's feet. Verse 15 says, I've given you an example to follow. Do as I've done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. We, like the disciples, would gladly wash the feet of Jesus, but he tells us to wash one another's feet. Anything we do for each other that washes away the grime of the world and the dust of defeat and discouragement is foot washing. It's easy for us to criticize those with dirty feet instead of washing them. wonder how many of us in the room guilty of criticizing those who have walked through some dirt instead of getting down, washing their feet. Jesus coached us in coaching his disciples. We're supposed to wash each other's feet, supposed to care for each other in that. They love each other in such a way that when somebody's walking through something and somebody's struggling through something, we're there for them. The theory of being humble and being a servant isn't worth much. But the practice of being a servant pleases God. It fulfills our calling, brings blessing and happiness. That was Jesus coaching kingdom replication. Not down and Now this message isn't necessarily about servanthood. It is about being a coach which implies that we serve others. It, it pushes us to want to live out this life so that others can see it. We each share the burden and the benefit of coaching kingdom replication in others. A kingdom coach demonstrates behavior, develops beliefs, and discerns, helps discern bearing. Preparing others for God's purpose and promise. If you're taking notes, here's where I want you to write down some things that you can remember about this, about this passage. There are three things that I want to draw out of this and, and, and we're, we're about done. Worship team, you can go ahead and come. First is this, a coach demonstrates the important stuff. 
As coaches, as coaches of the kingdom, coach any, any type of coach, we understand that most, the, the most important things are caught, not taught. Jesus couldn't just tell his disciples this lesson. They needed more because in this moment, this is what they were arguing about. Who was the most important? Who mattered the most in the kingdom? He says, you have to take the place of some. You have to stand in the place of the least of these. And he gets down on the floor and washes their feet to show them what that looks like. As a coach, we have to demonstrate the important stuff because what is (laughs) the important lessons are caught, not taught. Can't tell my kids what to do. Show them. I can't get up here and preach to you and then not go out and live it in the world. Can't do that either. The second thing about a coach is that a coach develops the potential, not the poison. What do I mean by that? Judas was among the disciples when Jesus washed their feet. I wonder, even though Jesus knew the outcome, even though Jesus knew what was going to happen with Judas, the part of me that wonders if in this moment it wasn't an opportunity for Jesus to see that Jesus was way more. If it wasn't an opportunity for Judas to see Jesus do something and maybe turn away, Jesus could have skipped Judas and just said, you're not going to be worth my time. But he never gives up on him. He doesn't focus on the poison in Judas's life. He focuses on the potential. And he still washes his feet. I wonder today, are there people in your life that you've been called to disciple, people in your life that you've been called to love and to lift up, that you've focused on the poison, focus on the dirt, and not the potential. You've written them off. The coach develops that potential. And Jesus did that all the way to the end. The third thing that we see Jesus do is discern the difference between practice time and game time. In the very beginning of this scripture, it says this, before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave the world and return to his father. Jesus knew it was game time. He was about to hand over the results of everything that they had done to his disciples to take it over and run with it. You see, the coach during the game has to stay on the sideline. (laughs) He has to know the difference. And I'm not saying Jesus was gone forever. That's not what I mean. I'm saying that he understood that this moment was different than when they were practicing. He needed them to get past this argument. He needed to coach them through this time. And he used a basin of water and a towel to do it. To coach them. And then he tells them, not only (laughs) have I coached you, not only have I shown you, but I want you to show each other in the world what that looks like. We're called to make 
disciples. Each one of us. Stephen and Sonia are not called more to it because they're missionaries. They get to use that as a part of how they do it. I'm not called more to it because I stand on the stage and, and, and have a title in front of my name. We're all called to make disciples, to be coaches in the kingdom, to replicate and make more disciples. That might mean we have to do some hard things. It's gonna mean that we have to put ourselves in places that we may not like to be. Gotta be willing to help clean someone's feet, to show them what that looks like. Willing to model what it means to be repentant. Willing to love the way that only Jesus loved willing to do the things that only he could do a coach church demonstrates the important stuff develops the potential and discerns the difference between practice time and game time should you bow your heads and close your eyes all across the room I believe these convictions are convictions of every disciple of Jesus Christ. All seven of them. This one is no different. I believe each one of us has a mandate to coach what we call kingdom replication, to make disciples in the kingdom of of God. And I believe many times we allow a lot of things to get in the way of that coaching. Our pride, our time, our talents, we hold ourselves in higher esteem and we would never be caught doing something like washing feet. But if you've been here the last couple of weeks, you know there's a difference between the worth of something and the value of something. And I believe there's great value when we choose to be coaches in the kingdom of God and we replicate Christ and we coach others to do the same. When we talk about going and being the church, I wonder if there's some people in the room today that needed this lesson from Jesus of what it means to be a coach, to demonstrate the important stuff, to develop the potential and to discern. I wonder if there's some people in the room that would take up the mantle of coach for others in their life and show them demonstrate for them the important lessons help develop their potential because they have it and help them discern I wonder if there's some people in the room who maybe haven't made that a priority it's not been a conviction in your life convictions become priorities 
who would say to me today, Pastor Joshua, this really hasn't been a conviction, but I hear the word, I, I, I hear, I see what Jesus did and I recognize that it's my job, my mandate to be a kingdom coach. And today you would say, I'm gonna commit to that. I want, I'm asking the Holy Spirit to place, strategically place people in my life that I coach. And I'm gonna start looking for them. I'm gonna start being the example. I'm gonna start demonstrating the behavior, developing the beliefs and discerning the bearing with that person where their life is going, the direction where God wants to use them. If you would say, I wanna do that today, I want that to be a part, I wanna ask the Holy Spirit to do that for me today. Place those people in life, develop me so that I can develop others, coach me so that I can coach others and this can become a conviction of my life. I want you to slip up your hand. Keep it up for just a second. All around the room, their hands. Anybody else? Gotcha. All right, you can put them right back down. Anybody else? Here's the thing. Everybody look at me. I don't believe, I, I, I simply don't think that this is a once- one, one day on a Sunday change. I think this is a daily reminding that we need of this. And so when I pray over you, I, I, I'm gonna just pray that God daily places those opportunities in your life and reminds you. And that there are things in your life that, when, that you, don't, you can't see a, a, a hand towel the same way anymore. You can't see, you can't see a, 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 a bowl of water without thinking about the fact that we've got to coach people the way Jesus did. But I want to pray if you raised your hand and if you didn't and you should have, then you can assume this prayer's for you also. Right before we head out, I want you just to stand all around the room. Everybody stand. Jesus, you saw the hands and more importantly, you know the hearts. Holy Spirit, we've sang the songs today that have invited you in and and we've said to you, we want you to be a part of our lives, but Jesus, those words need to be more than just words that we sang. And so Father, today we stand in place and we say we want you, Holy Spirit, to come into our lives and make this conviction a reality that we would coach people, that we would coach others to be more like you, Jesus, by the way we live, by the way we talk, by the way we act, by the things that we do, that we would demonstrate behaviors, Lord, of a kingdom citizen, that we would develop the beliefs of a kingdom citizen. And Father, that even as we, even as we do those things, that Lord, you would help us to discern the bearing that we need where we need to move, how we need to move, what we need to do with others and where they're going, Lord. Father, today help us to coach kingdom replication. Let this be a conviction of our lives. Jesus, conviction is a gift. And today we proclaim that and we thank you for that. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. 
Don't forget to visit us at LifeChurchROA on Instagram and Facebook for updates, service times, and ways to get involved. If you made a decision to follow Jesus today, we would love to partner with you on your next steps. Visit LifeChurchROA.org slash Jesus to learn more. We love you and we can't wait to see you soon.